2: Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This is Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre.
3: What's up, everybody? It's me, Jason McIntyre. Straight Fire for Tuesday, January 5th. It was a weird Monday night in sports, wasn't it? I mean, no Monday night football. Uh, no Thursday night football on the horizon. We got to wait till the weekend for more football. Um it'll should be a good one though. Very excited for the playoff games coming up. So I had to um wet my beak with some NBA and college hoops. College basketball just a little difficult to get into it still given the COVID issues, but at least there will be college basketball March Madness. Apparently it's all going to happen in the state of Indiana. Um It's still three months away, so I can't really think too much about it. But I want to start the show by saying we have an outstanding guest coming up. Listen, when somebody I know comes at me on social media disagreeing about something, I'm not going to talk about it on social media. Come on my podcast. Let's discuss. So George Sedano, a guy I've known uh, for a little while, good guy, good dude, um, lives out here near me in uh, Los Angeles, and I've seen him at a couple Laker games and um, I thought we'd chop up the Miami Dolphins. Uh, if you didn't get your fix on Miami sports last week with Joy Taylor and I, we uh, George and I really dove deep into the Tua situation. It's complicated, but it's a good discussion. I think you'll like it. I quickly, though, want to talk a little bit about the NFL before we get into that. And as much as I want to talk about the New York Knicks, I'm reluctant to because it's still early. The Knicks, hell of a comeback to take down the Atlanta Hawks. Um, I'm shocked, but, uh, we can't get into the Knicks. Come on. It's two weeks in. Uh, it's the NBA weird things happen early. I will say, keep an eye on the Sixers. Sixers look really good. We gave that out as a futures bet. This is a bet on team. The Sixers are cooking with gas right now, but I want to quickly get to the NFL and a bunch of guys are asking me, so uh, Jason, I know you're all about the jets. Where do they rank when it comes to the best coaching jobs? And there are currently six. Uh, Black Monday, yesterday, not that much of a bloodletting. Um, We saw Anthony Lynn get canned in L.A., Chargers looking for a new coach. I think we all expected that. If you watched any Chargers football this year, you knew that was coming. So currently, as it sits this morning, Houston Texans, New York Jets, Chargers, Lions, Falcons, and Jaguars all have head coaching openings. Now, we could still see the Bengals added to that list. We'll see. It's early. Um, But I thought I'd rank them currently from 6 to 1 based on most attractive job. If somebody came to me and said, Hey, Jay, you know, your NBA is good, but your NFL, oh, my gosh, we love your NFL stuff. We want you to coach our team. Obviously, that's not happening. Uh, I would love to work in a front office at some point. Um, You are seeing... By the way, some analytics-based folks take jobs in MLB front offices, um, NBA, I, college basketball, uh, NBA. It's starting to happen. Um, college football recently, I had had one. Some guy from two four seven Sports took a job in like the Vanderbilt coaching staff. Really cool. Like I'm, ex- that stuff gets me excited. You know, more power to the little guy. Um, we're looking at things different ways. Not necessarily uh, changing the sport, but changing ways to look at it. And um, anyways, here's how I would rank the six coaching openings. I'll start with number six. This is no no surprise to anybody. Houston Texans. Yes, they have Deshaun Watson, but there is nothing else on that team. Go look at the roster, folks. It is really bad. The GM, Bill O'Brien, he was handing out bad contracts like Halloween candy. I mean, Randall Cobb. David Johnson, they're in salary cap hell in Houston. And I know you can sell Deshaun Watson all day, but there's not much else. I mean, look at the defense. It is historically bad. They're going to need the jaws of life to save this roster and, and turn it around in a couple of years. I feel bad for Deshaun Watson. If you look back on this podcast, I've said Watson should demand a trade when they got Hopkins out of town. Uh, Bill O'Brien, just total clown show. Texans' sixth most attractive job. I, I, it, there's less talent on this roster than the New York Jets. Number five, the Atlanta Falcons. I'm sure I'll get some pushback on this. They played well down the stretch. Again, remember they did that last year. It was just a big tease. Um, now, the Falcons did play a tough schedule, but I did not like what I saw from Matt Ryan. Another down year. Uh, we're looking at 36 years old. I know hey Brady at 43 is doing amazing things in Tampa. Matt Ryan, I, I I just didn't see it from him this year. I didn't see the dynamic play at quarterback. He had Julio Jones, although Julio, the injuries are mounting. He's getting up there in age. I don't know, you know, if Raheem Morris turned around that defense. And they did play well in the second half of the season, the defense. Or if it was simply a, a matter of schedule. I like Calvin Ridley. I like some of the pieces on defense. Um, there is some talent, but... The, you're capped out, you can't go and make big moves. So I would have Atlanta as the fifth most attractive job. At number four, a little disappointing, but it's my New York Jets. If they had the number one pick, this would skyrocket. but they don't. They have the number two pick which is not necessarily bad. and I don't want to hear Justin Fields as a guy I'm telling you guys. The Jets have the potential to shop that pick around. and let's see what Justin Fields does against Alabama. He was mediocre to below average against Northwestern. He was exceptional against Clemson, but his guys were open all over the field. Okay. I didn't see a lot of tight window throws in that one. I like fields a lot. This was a big time recruit coming out of high school, did not win the job at Georgia and transferred to uh, Ohio state. And it's worked out. Uh, He's a really, really good player. We'll see. Um, I don't think it's a slam dunk. The jets take him at two jets have 70 mil in cap space. That's really impressive. The Jets have a chance to turn it around quicker than a lot of people think. Remember, and Williams was phenomenal. He's making a play to be maybe like the third or fourth best um, interior defensive lineman in the league. That's how dominant he was this past season. Um, hopefully that neck injury is not serious. Uh, remember, their best linebacker, C.J. Mosley, had opted out. And they get an extra first-round pick from the Jamal Adams deal and an extra third. So you've got two first-round draft picks. You've got the number two pick, which you could trade, slide down for more. Jets are in a good spot. The problem is they don't have a quarterback. Um, if I'm a coach, you know, first thing you need to do is find out who you, who's your quarterback going to be. And can you go out and grab a receiver and uh, Curtis Samuel and Allen Robinson? And then you got to figure out that defense because the secondary is a joke. Um, really bad secondary play this year. Um, Jets' fourth best job. And I will say, if you listened to the Eric Mangini podcast last week, And I will say this, I know Mangini well, and he didn't want to go in on the Jets. He could have. He's told me stuff. I can't repeat here. I'll just say this. Jets meddling ownership needs to get the hell out of the way from whoever they pick as head coach. I trust Joe Douglas. Everything I've heard about him is exceptional. Um, I think the Jets have the fourth most attractive coaching job. And you're going to laugh at me, but number three... The Detroit Lions. And I'm sure there are groans everywhere. I got a buddy who's a diehard Lions fan. And when I picked the Lions this year to do some damage, he was like, Jay, have you you watched my Lions? Every year, they're terrible. And they were an exceptional disappointment this year. But that roster has a ton of talent. I'll tell you what the problem is. Matt Patricia wanted to run the scheme he ran with the Patriots, the defensive scheme of we're going to rush four, we're not going to blitz a ton. And we're going to confuse the quarterback. We've got to get to the quarterback with our rush. And they couldn't do that. Trey Flowers was really good, but nobody else could. Then Okwara started to play really well the second half of the season. And Flowers got hurt. But the secondary was too young to cover. They just did not have the defensive backs. Okuda... Had a rough rookie year, but what do you, I mean, look at that division. You're facing Kirk Cousins and Aaron Rodgers. Uh, you know, we, not Kirk Cousins, but, you know, Jeff Akudo was, he had a rough rookie year. He's a talented cornerback. They've got a lot of talent on that defense. And I'm telling you, um, I like the kid, Jamie Collins at linebacker. He's still got some, some good years left. There is talent on that team. They need to franchise tag Galladay. You're looking at a top 10 pick. You bring back Stafford. You've got a really good, promising running back in DeAndre Swift. The offensive line's not terrible. Um, Listen, there's a reason a lot of the advanced stats guys had the Lions as a playoff team. Football outsiders, you know, Aaron Schatz, we bring him on. Um, The the advanced stats love the Lions coming into this year. Uh, The coaching was to blame. It was terrible. They had a lot of injuries. Lions, not a lot of cap room, but as long as you keep Stafford the Detroit Lions, I'm telling you, that's an attractive coaching job. I have his third. Number two, uh, LA Chargers. I know that people are going to say, you know, Rob G's going to say, Jay, come on, that's got to be number one. You got Justin Herbert, who was phenomenal. You got Joey Bosa, who's a top five defensive player in the league. If Derwin James could ever stay healthy, he's proven he's exceptionally talented. And on offense, you got Eckler, you got Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, like Hunter Henry, we'll see if he returns. You give me an offensive lineman in that top 10, because their offensive line was average-ish. A- and you can get some solidarity on that defense, which was really up and down. Um, this should be a playoff team in the Chargers. Anthony Lynn probably cost them, conservatively, four to five games. That's how bad he was. And I think they could turn it around quickly. Justin Herbert is awesome, folks. And this Chargers roster is loaded. I-, I have them at two, and the only reason is because at number one, you've got Jacksonville for two reasons. You've got a ton of cap room. You've got the number one pick in the draft. You've got a second first round draft pick uh, in a trade. And if you look around at that roster offensively, like DJ shark was very good. Keelan Cole, you bringing him back? Um, LaVisca Chenault, the rookie had a strong year. Uh, The kid James Robinson undrafted running back. He looked good. Now the defense has more holes than a Rob Parker sports argument. I mean, it's terrible, uh, Josh Allen can rush the passer and, um, you know, who was the other guy they had on that defense? Uh, the linebacker miles Jack is good, but there's nothing else there. I am basing a lot of this number one on, I believe in Trevor Lawrence. I think he is an awesome, awesome player with a massive upside. We're talking hall of fame talent. I think he can turn things around quickly there. You know, you go out, you give me an Allen Robinson in free agency, you get the right head coach. And, um, you know, the offensive line was not bad, which is a bit of a shocker. Go look at the pro football focus numbers. Not a terrible offensive line for the Jags. You're going to need some defense. Um, the division has some great coaches in Frank Reich. Um, obviously, I'm a, you guys don't. I'm a huge Frank Reich fan. Tennessee Titans are pretty good. Uh, yeah, yeah, we'll see what's going on with the Texans. I, you know, they have an elite quarterback. Um, but I think Trevor Lawrence can turn things around fairly quickly in Jacksonville, I think that's the number one coaching job. I think that's why you hear all this Urban Meyer chatter. And um, yeah, listen, I don't have a lot of great things to say about Jacksonville. Uh, I have one friend from high school who lives there. And I went to a great Super Bowl Hooters party in Jacksonville. It was a pretty epic um, Super Bowl. I think it was like 2005 maybe. And uh, it was just, I'll just say this. It was a great Super Bowl party. Um, the Playboy party at, in Jacksonville 2005 was also very good. None of it compared to what happened in Detroit in 2006, but I am um, I'm confidentially bound to speaking at length about that. So I, I must shut my mouth at this point. But that's how I rank these six head coaching openings. Jacksonville Jaguars. L.A. Chargers, Detroit Lions, New York Jets, Atlanta Falcons, Houston Texans. All right, without further
0: ado, let's get to it. George Sedano of ESPN. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings.
1: Go to TireRack.com slash Colin to see their Pirelli test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews, and be sure to check out all their current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be.
0: From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment... Oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA.
4: He says, Somebody's in the house, and I
1: screamed.
0: (laughs) Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. This is it. We've got an Amex
4: Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen.
2: You know a guy. Jason likes to think he knows everything when it comes to sports.
3: I know what sports fans want.
2: But for everything he doesn't, he knows a guy who does.
4: Let's just say, I know a guy who knows a guy
3: who knows another guy. All right, let's welcome into Straight Fire, a guy I've known for uh, probably about a decade Uh, We ran into each other a few times. Super nice guy, except he's a huge Miami Dolphins fan. And we totally disagree on Tua, so I thought I'd bring him on. George Sedano, ESPN Radio, ESPN TV. You basically can't turn on ESPN without finding him. George, how are you, man? I'm
4: good, brother. Good to talk to you. Hope you and the family and everyone are safe and healthy and, uh, you know, looking forward to a brighter year this year as all yeah, of us hopefully. are. Yeah,
3: <laughs> Yeah. Uh, actually, you don't live too far from me out here in L.A., but we haven't no. run into each other yet. I mean... Shucks, you're not allowed to leave your house, basically.
4: Right, um, right. There is nowhere. The, although uh, I, I do believe we are about 15 or 20 minutes from each other. So when yeah, yeah. Uh,
3: all these things are
4: lifted, we can eventually yes, uh, have a beer. Yeah. Maybe yeah, we yeah, can certainly. even coax Cowherd to come by uh, yeah. and, and, you know, before he leaves to Vegas or wherever the hell he's going. <laughs>
3: uh, yeah, him and I have a birthday coming up, right? Like five days apart. So back in the day, you know, two years ago, we'd go out for drinks. I mean, I don't know. You can't do anything now. But uh, let's be positive, uh, George. Um, You're Miami Dolphins. Okay, so I had put out a tweet uh, Sunday as Tua was vomiting all over himself against the (laughs) Buffalo Bills. Uh, Listen, man, you got to explore a quarterback at three, right? Uh, Or four or five, whatever they were picking at the time. Just because, you know... You don't always draft in the top five. Tua did not particularly look great. I know the situation wasn't amazing. And George came after me, and Taylor Twelman of ESPN, soccer guy, came after me. People are hot. Uh, uh, 24 hours later, George, I'm seeing pro football focus is like, okay, you know, Jalen Hurts, not Jalen Hurts, uh, Justin Fields, maybe number three to Miami. I mean, okay, let's, let's hear your take on why they should or shouldn't look at a quarterback in the top five.
4: Look, first of all, I don't think Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence are going to be there at three, where they're going to be. Um, So let's start with that. Number two, um, we've gotten to this point with quarterbacks where I understand because of seven-on-seven and all these things that these quarterbacks are groomed to do at a very young age, that we just feel like we should be able to skip steps or that if there are guys that, for whatever reason – catapult to stardom right away, that everyone should have the same path. And I just think that that's just flawed logic, regardless of what we're talking about, whether it's sports or whether it's life. I just think that's silly. Um, second of all, I think that we do this thing where we make these snap judgments on quarterbacks and we forget to kind of figure out what they have around them Tua a tug of Iloa took over a team that was arguably one of the worst teams that we thought was or excuse me let me repeat that we thought it was going to be one of the worst teams in NFL history okay coming into the season last year okay and they surprised people by winning 5 games remember uh, my guy Dominic Foxworth on Get Up with Mike Greenberg said that they were literally putting guys in harm's way last season by fielding the team that they were fielding like they were but you know, risking injuries and potential lawsuits and things like that. So that is the dregs of the dregs that they were fielding from a roster perspective. Now they were able to build a defense very quickly. As we saw that Brian floor is a defensive guy, but on offense, they're a disaster. Okay. They start three rookies on the offensive line. Okay. Guys who in some cases like an Austin Jackson, my guy Keyshawn Johnson said probably should have stayed an extra year At USC, So a lot of young guys, Robert Hunt is a young guy, like they've got a lot of guys that are inexperienced along the offensive line. Although I do think all will eventually be talented, but not at this particular point in their careers. Then let's look at the running back and receiving core of this team. It's a mess. Devontae Parker was a former first round pick, and it took him five years to even be a guy that you would consider worthy of being a number one, forget about number one, even being a number two receiver on a decent team. So you look at the rest of that roster, a bunch of undrafted guys at receiver, a bunch of undrafted guys at running back, their highest drafted <laughs> running back. And I believe the guy who still has the most touchdowns on the roster was Jordan Howard, who was drafted in the fifth round, who they cut weeks ago, okay? Like that's how bad their offense is. Not to mention Tua's coming off a horrific injury that we'd never seen anybody come back from, right? He had no training camp. All he did was rehab his hip the entire time. So, of course, there's going to be moments where he looks great, where he looks competent, and then there's going to be moments he looks like he's a disaster. You know, John Elway is John Elway's in the news today, Jason. And I saw that, yeah. It's because... He's going to, you know, still elevate himself, uh, you know, I guess, but also hire a general manager. (laughs) It's funny that he's in the news today because as we're talking about Tua, people forget, Jason, that John Elway, Hall of Famer, five Super Bowl appearances, two-time champion, right? One of the greatest of all time. Literally lined up under the guard in a game instead of under the center. So my point is, man, listen, we can't just discard right, or discount what's around these guys or the circumstances. Every circumstance is unique, and his is unique to other players.
3: Okay, I, I hear all that, and a lot of that makes total sense, and I get it, and I'm sure there's some people nodding their head, Jason, back off Tua. But, George, when I look at the situations where he got pulled twice for Ryan Fitzpatrick against Denver, where, I mean, Tua looked in over his head. And again, Denver's defense at home can be plucky. Um, And then against Vegas, which was really bad. I mean, Vegas was trying to out like a JV team on defense. (laughs) Fitzpatrick comes in, carves him up. And then you look at the other quarterbacks that were drafted in the first round with Tua. Uh, Joe Burrow, who goes to maybe the worst offensive line in the league with the Bengals, and looks pretty great. I mean, I know they had Tyler Boyd there, a good receiver, and um, T. Higgins was pretty good. Uh, but he lost and good his running, running backs. Back. And he good did. Backs. He did lose Mixon, but uh they, Br- Bernard Bernard is, a is a good is a good running back. He's a, he's a back tough guy. Yeah. And and then what about Justin Herbert? Uh, awful offensive line. Maybe the worst in game coach in the league. Did have good weapons, and Herbert looked awesome. I'm not saying we should dump Tua, but if you are drafting, what are they picking? Are they picking third? They're
4: picking third and 18th.
3: Third and 18th. Okay. Don't you have to, as a GM, do your job and kick the tires, interview quarterbacks, go to the pro days or whatever, and and look at them and just see maybe there is something here. And I'm sure. not saying I- that, you know, I just don't think you can hand Tua the job or expect him to get the job next year because you know Chan Gailey they got they let him go, I believe. Um, and, and now it's like well Fitzpatrick ain't going to stick around, right? I mean he wants to maybe get to the playoffs. Um, I don't, I don't know. It be I don't know. If to have Fitz back there?
4: I don't know. I don't think so because those huh. two guys understand their roles. Um, you know, no matter what, they always went back to Tua as the starter and Fitzpatrick was okay with that. And Tua was understanding of that. Um, and Tua look, it's funny because the dolphins, uh, I mean, I was literally like four or five years old when this happened, but, and this was before they drafted Dan Marino. They got to a Super Bowl in 1982. Now they lost to the Redskins, okay? Or excuse me, the Washington football team, but then known as the Redskins. Yes. yes. Um, and they they had multiple quarterbacks. They had Don Strock and David Woodley. And they would start David Woodley. And if he got into some trouble, David Woodley was a young quarterback. They would bring in the veteran backup in Don Strock. That's before um, my time.
3: <laughs> I did, okay. I'm not aware
4: of this yet. This is 1982. I'm giving okay. you a little history lesson, okay? <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, and by the way, when the Dolphins won uh, in, in, I believe it was 72, when they also beat Washington, actually. This time they, they lost them in 82. They beat them in 72. Um, Bob Greasy, Hall of Fame quarterback, mm. went down. The guy who won the Super Bowl, uh, or the guy who led them to the Super Bowl because Greasy was back by that time, Earl Morrill. Having a good backup quarterback, particularly a veteran guy who is – been in the league for 15 years that's not a detriment to me right. nor should but, it be to, to but, Tua for that matter but do
3: you think Fitzpatrick who's never been to the playoffs in his career he's like 36 37 um he's getting near the end uh, i mean if i'm Tua uh, if i'm Tua i would surely want uh Fitzpatrick back but if i'm Fitz i'm saying hey man listen um I, is there a, is there a job where i could be a backup to a good veteran on a potential super bowl team like I, I would at least explore that. Mm-hmm. Don't you have to? Maybe, maybe. I thought you meant actually him being like the
4: quarterback. No, I don't think he... <laughs> because I don't think he's capable of doing that. No, um, we, we've seen that show. No. Maybe, but uh, look, he knows what he's got with the Dolphins, right? And I think that there is um, something to be said about familiarity. Clearly, they they value him. Um, And I think that it'll be something that they I I would be stunned if they don't make a legitimate offer to him just because we've seen in this sport, man, that it's a battle of attrition. Guys fall all the time due to injuries. So you need a capable backup. Okay, I mean, look, everyone lauded um, the Dallas Cowboys for bringing in Andy Dalton behind Dak Prescott. Now it didn't work out. There's a litany of reasons why that didn't work out, but I don't think it was all necessarily on Andy Dalton. Um, But I I think it's important to have a good backup and a mentor uh, for Tua. I I think that that stuff goes a really long way. And there's not enough of that in the league. And at least when I was growing up watching the eighties and nineties, there was way more of that stuff uh, when it came to the quarterback position in the national football league. And, and again, Like, those guys were cool with it. Like, they understood what the deal was. So if you have something like that that's harmonious, I think that you have to consider bringing that whole situation back if you can. But here's the one thing about Tua, right? You mentioned the pulling him from games or whatever. I don't know about you, Jason, but I can only apply – I've never played quarterback in the National Football League. Hell, I occasionally have played quarterback in my turkey bowl, you know? But what I'd say is, in life – whether it was something in school as I was growing up, or even in this business, there have been things in my life where there are adjustments have been made on the fly. And maybe my role wasn't as prominent as it was. And what I've done is sit back, observe, reassess and understand what could I have done differently that would not, that the next time potentially will not allow that to happen again. And, When you're young, sometimes you need more than one lesson in life, especially when you're a young quarterback seeing things that you've never seen before. Because let's face it, college defenses are nowhere near as intricate as NFL defenses, which is why the supporting cast is so important around a quarterback. So when you mention Burrow, you mentioned Herbert, we can't just discount the fact that their skill position players are either really, really good, some even elite, but at the best, at, at worst, excuse me, they're average. He doesn't even have average players at those yeah. positions. His wide receiving group, third most drops in the NFL this year. Okay. They had 27th in yards after the catch. I mean, they don't help him in any way, shape, or form. This is a kid that a guy like Trent Dilfer, who's on your network a ton with Colin, talks about how he's the next Drew Brees, right? Oh, to a tug of oh, Iloa yeah. because, of, because of his yeah. accuracy. Right and 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 look, I actually see a lot of parallels. I know you hem and haw and say, "Oh, come on." Uh, that's a little bit. That's a bridge too far. You know? Why? Why do you remember uh, the beginning of Drew, uh, career? Drew Brees' career? It wasn't at the beginning
3: pretty. was was a challenge, but I think he he got his new legs when he went to the Saints uh, and right. paired with Sean Payton. Now, you did say something interesting. Like in life, you learn these lessons, and it may suck at the time, but you need it. I think we all go through that. Right. But my only difference with the quarterback is. There's 10 other guys on the offense and 11 on the defense who when Fitzpatrick came in against Denver and then against Vegas, I wonder if it set the precedent. And none of us can answer that. You really have to be in the locker room. Going forward, anytime they're down seven, if Tua fails on a couple possessions, hey, let's get to the bullpen. We got to win this game. Like, it, it, does that, it does that creep into the locker room and become a thing? Hey, Tua's fine when we're leading or close game. But if we're behind, we need to go to the closer, and I don't know long term if that would work. Uh, no, for Jason. The rest of course,
4: of, of course, it's not going to work long term. But in the guy, the guys made nine
3: starts. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, I, so I, I, th- th- that's the other thing. Like, w- we've seen so many George young quarterbacks excel right out of the gate. Deshaun Watson's getting to the playoff. Mahomes in in his first year goes what MVP and then Super Bowl and best record in the league again. I mean, Josh Allen. Wait, wait, three wait, 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 up. wait, 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 like, wait,
4: wait, wait, Jason, Jason, Patrick Mahomes took over a team that was already a playoff team. He, he didn't, was, pay, yeah. he did not take over a team that was a disaster. Like, he also Josh, had
3: nine teams pass on him. I believe he was like I, I, the 10th pick I, in the I, draft. Like, I get
4: it. And by the way, he sat too. He didn't play right away mm-hmm. either. He sat. I was in favor of sitting to a all season. It's documented. I, you know, nowadays yeah. we can document stuff on social media. So,
2: so
3: I, is that a GM thing? Is the GM saying, listen, we drafted to a, let's get him out here or do you think they saw burrow and herbert cooking and dominating and being like yo we got to get our guy in there
4: um i don't think that had anything to do with it i think they're on their own timeline and again, Justin Herbert has a guy in Keenan Allen who's a four, four, four or five-time pro bowler, right? Yeah, yeah. Mike Williams was a thousand-yard receiver last year. Austin Eckler, even in, you know, he, he was like a part-time running back last year. He had 92 receptions for 996 yeah. yards. Again, those are all legitimate weapons. Tua has none of that. The Dolphins are still in a rebuild. They're way ahead of schedule. And I think that's what everyone needs to grasp.
3: So at three, do you want to go with the kid Panay Sewell? I think I said his name correctly, from Oregon. Or do you want to say, hey, let's get this guy an elite weapon, Devonta Smith from Alabama. He's a, I mean, I love the guy, obviously, but I think he's like six six foot, six one. He's not one of these big strapping dudes. Or maybe Jamar Chase from LSU. Do you want to protect Tua or get him a weapon? So I think that those are the three guys you're looking at
4: if it were me, right? (laughs) I, I think what I would do, honestly... I since you have three and eighteen, I think you can get both. You can get the guy to protect him in Sewell, right? At, at three. And at 18, you can get him Waddle, perhaps, right? If Jalen mm. Waddle is there, people people forget he was actually the best receiver on Alabama prior to injury yeah. and the most explosive and the most dynamic. No disrespect to Devontae Smith. But Waddle, because of the injury, could fall into that middle of the of the first round range. You could potentially solve both those issues for him and then get a running back with the Texans pick, which is early in the second round. I think the third pick in the second round.
3: Let me, a final question on Tua. I'm sure people are, uh, you know, upset that we're spending so much time on this guy, but I think this is an interesting story heading into the off season. Any concern at all that no Alabama quarterback has really broken through into the NFL? And there's a chance, and I've said this about Ohio State quarterbacks, they are just surrounded by so much five-star talent elite coaching that they get to the NFL. And if they don't have that incredible support system, it it can be a little difficult because if you remember AJ McCarron came out and I think he was a third round pick, but a lot of people said, Hey, this guy can be a starter. I mean, it's pretty clear in the NFL. He is definitely a backup. Um, any thoughts on that on regarding Tua?
4: I mean, look, I have thoughts on that. I I think that that, you know, you can make the case for that and almost Any big time school with quarterbacks coming out. Right. Like, look at USC's history. Right. Matt Leinert is is an example. Mark Sanchez, your boy. Uh, Mm. Mark Sanchez is an example of that. Um, You know, we've seen Ohio State. You mentioned Dwayne Haskins. I mean, Urban Meyer did very did the same thing that um, Pete Carroll did when he talked about Mark Sanchez. Don't know if he's ready from a maturity standpoint, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, So I do worry about that. Hell, I worry about that with Trevor Lawrence a little bit. Oh, more. stop it. Come on. I do. You guys really? Are, you guys are so in love with Trevor Lawrence. I, I see a kid who's really talented, but do I see a kid that you can put him in any situation tomorrow, Jacksonville or the Jets or whoever, and all of a sudden that team is, is a playoff team? Like, is he Andrew Luck
3: to me? Mm. No, I, I don't know if he's that. Well, so, the Andrew Luck thing's interesting. Didn't they go... Like 11 and 5 with Peyton. Then he got hurt. They went like 1 and 15. And then Andrew Luck came and they got 11 and 5. Yeah, 11 11 and and 5. So you go like 11 and 5, 1 and 15, 11 and 5. Like Jacksonville is total garbage, but they do have some players on that team. Their receivers are not awful. The running back look good. I mean, the defense is total trash. But I think this could be a six win team with Trevor Lawrence. And if you get the right coach, I mean, we get Urban Meyer in there. Uh, I, I personally don't think that'll happen. But if you land him or some offensive mind, why can't Trevor Lawrence be in the playoffs by year two?
4: Maybe, but my point is, I don't know. He's, mm-hmm. we can, I can make that same case, though, that same argument, that he's surrounded by ridiculous talent um, across the board that's first and second round talent, right? That, that you know, are they propping him up? like some of these quarterbacks you're talking about, we don't know. We assume we know, but until we see him play an actual NFL game or a series of games, um, you can't really make that determination. So to your point, um, what I would say is I worry about any quarterback coming out of a big-time college in that situation.
3: All right, before we get to the NBA, quickly, uh, do you have an upset for us on wild card, super wild card weekend? Super wild card sounds so dumb.
4: I mean, um, do the Ravens count as a
3: as an? Upset? No, no, they're favored, man. Yeah, no, yeah. They are the underdog. Seed, they are the
4: lower seed. Well, let me hold on. I'm going to pull up the uh, my Action Network app here. Shout yeah, out to so my guy,
3: the, uh, the dogs, Chad Millman. Oh,
4: Millman, yes, yes. yes. The dog no. would be Washington. All right, I'm looking at it here. So it is, uh, yeah, Indy, uh, the Rams, uh, Tampa, uh, Washington, uh, Tennessee. Uh, the the Brown. Bears and the Browns. The Bears. Yeah. So if I were looking at two teams right out of the gate, um, that would make some sense to me. Uh, the Rams because they've had a lot of success against the Seahawks. I think it's five of the last six. Now, granted, golf being hurt plays a huge factor there, right? So there's a huge it could gap. help
3: though. It could help, George. I, you saw golf in the last meeting. You're out here in LA. They, I mean, golf. Eh, I don't know, man. Yeah, but but I just think that.
4: I'm not a huge golf guy, but I think he's in that system with McVay. He, he works. Um, and he does have actual playoff experience. Everyone's, free, you know, going nuts over John Wolford, uh, Wofford, <laughs> Wofford, uh, Wofford, yeah. Wolford. Wofford. That's how you say his name. Um, dude, you know, he's still, I, I know he had the 50 or 60 yards rushing or whatever. And those are things golf can't do but he still wasn't necessarily a great passer of the football. I think we need to slow down a little bit on yeah, that. Yeah. But I would say the Rams are probably the one team, if I look at that group, um, just because historically they've done really well, and in, in it's recent history, against that particular Seahawks team, uh, although both defenses are, have been lights out since week 10. Uh,
3: all right, let's get to the NBA. So uh, we had Joy Taylor on the podcast last week, and I tried to build a case <laughs> of James Harden perhaps landing in South Beach. Now I know he's not a Pat Riley guy given the culture, situation and is Harden going to fall in line. But we know Riley loves uh, big time talent. He, he he has a great eye for it. He knows how to bring it in. And I mean, listen, Miami's kind of off to a slow start given the bubble situation. Uh Jimmy Butler has missed a couple games. Um I think there's a scenario where the Heat are sputtering here in the next six weeks, and Pat Riley makes a move on James Harden. Your thoughts? Yeah, I, I
4: think he's going to kick the tires. It's funny because there was the, you know, I guess the Heat called a bunch of reporters uh, maybe 10 days ago or so now uh, that they were out on James Harden. and they I called just the lo-
0: reporters to tell them that?
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a bunch of them had it. It was the Herald, the, the local papers had it, Brian Windhorst had it from huh. USBN, a bunch of people. And I laughed because... Yeah. Look, I know that organization better than any organization in any sport. Okay. And I've been around Pat Riley a lot over the years. Okay. Um, I have been uh, both someone who has learned at the knee of Pat Riley in some cases, and I've also been scolded by Pat Riley in some cases. Um, But the one thing I know about him is, and you were kind of alluding to it is he wants to hunt for whales. Okay. He knows that this is a superstar league and the way you win is by adding superstars to your team and you figure out the other stuff later. And the perfect example of after he got Shaq, remember you know Dwayne Wade was a rook was in his second year player in two thousand and four or five, uh, when Shaq was traded from the Lakers, and you know they had a nice team uh, around them. They had guys like Keon Dooling was a good player. Keon Duelling, yeah. Christian Laettner, like a bunch of really good role players. Damon Jones, um, a bunch, a bunch of guys who were just really strong role players. And Riley scrapped that whole plan when they lost in Game 7 when Dwayne Wade got hurt in the Eastern Conference Finals that year to the Pistons. And he brought in guys who were, at one point, either stars or all-stars. He brought in Gary Payton, and he brought in Antoine Walker, and white chocolate Jason Williams, and Mm. James Posey. All these guys who had been, quote-unquote, headaches in some cases, right? Um, I'll never forget. Uh, and they win the title. All right. Surround Wade and Shaq with those guys and win the title. Now, it's not an apples to apples comparison. But the point is, Riley is certainly willing to gamble on yeah. a questionable personality, um, especially with one of the talents of James Harden. So when I saw that, that they had called the reporters, I laughed because I said to myself, that just means they're out for now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I setting and, something up. I like that. Wh- I think what Riley's doing there is basically just chilling the market out a little bit. Right. And just because things were getting heated, right. We were hearing all these stories about seven teams being involved and Mm. everyone is speculating who's going where and who are the pieces, you know, and the stuff was leaking out. So he's like, you know what, I'm going to calm this thing down. Some, there's no rush. Uh, No Houston clearly is, is fishing for the most available assets. So if they're going to keep fishing, We're going to pull back a little bit, reassess where the market is, allow other teams to realize that we're doing that, and also reassess and pull back some. And let's get a more level playing field. And I think that's what's happening. Now, I'm not saying James Harden is going to Miami, but I do think that at the end of the day, there will be a conversation in Miami about potentially adding James Harden. I I would be stunned if there wasn't.
3: Yeah, You look at the East, and it is Giannis, and there's Kevin Durant, and I believe Jason Tatum is – inching toward that level I, I love everything about his game and it's weird because during the bubble i said you know what i like tyler hero so much i'm not packaging him for anybody I, i'm not doing it I, I got caught up in the moment and um you know tyler hero's starting now he, he doesn't look as good as he did in the bubble um it's almost like teams are ready for him uh duncan robinson uh, you know. Got to put out a APB for his whereabouts because he's been nowhere. We, my son and I, have got drafted him in fantasy because we watched him in the bubble. We had to drop him after a week. Like I mean, Duncan is very limited when teams know what's coming. I just wonder. Uh, you keep Bam, you keep Jimmy Butler, and I kind of wonder if is everybody else on the table for for Harden? Yes,
4: basically that would be okay. the case.
3: Um, yeah. And look, the thing with Hero, and, and I'm with you.
4: I still think Hero's ceiling is pretty high. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't think it's James Harden by any stretch of the imagination, but <laughs> I could see his ceiling being somewhere between, between like Gordon Hayward and Bradley Beal somewhere in between there. Right. Ooh. Like better than Gordon Hayward. Um, but probably not as good as Bradley Beal. That's kind of where I think his hmm. eventual ceiling, remember he's 20 years old, right? Like he's yeah. a baby. Um, he's,
3: he's, and Jake's he, swimming in IG models, right? right. Uh, it, well now just one, j- j- just one model.
4: He, uh, it's his girl. Um, but at least that's my, what I've heard. Um, <laughs> but here's the thing. He's also being asked to play point guard for the first time in his life because Spolstra believed, and I had this conversation with Eric last year when I was doing a couple of their games on ESPN. He believed last year, and we saw this in the bubble, right, um, that he is absolutely a secondary ball handler type. And he said, I think there's more to him there with that. Um, and there's a, I think there's a difference between being a really good passer as a shooting guard um, and being an actual point guard and organizer of offense. So I think that he is not the latter just yet. Not to say that he can't be, but I, I don't believe he's anywhere near that kind of player yet, and nor should he be, not being a natural point guard and being 20 years old. Um, but because of that and because of the ceiling that I mentioned, if you got to trade him for James Harden, so be it. And that same thing with Duncan Robinson or anyone else on that roster, uh, outside of the two, you mentioned Jimmy and Bam, no one should be untouchable. And honestly, I think if push came to shove and they knew it could get the deal done, I think the heat would absolutely consider it. I'm not saying they'd pull the trigger on it, but they would absolutely consider it.
3: Uh, all right. We'll wrap up. Uh, we have a large Lakers following given I'm out here in LA and you know, Lakers made a run to the title. We talk about them all the time. Um, it's a different Laker team this year, George, than, Mm -hmm. uh, the defensive minded one last year, but I know you host the jump a lot and you, you're around a lot of the NBA players. I do have to ask, um, are people starting to maybe change their minds, uh, on the LeBron Michael Jordan discussion? I know that's a dead horse that's been beaten and some people can't stand it, but, I, you know what side I'm on here. I, I just wonder, given what we just saw from LeBron, he's now just turned 36. The guy's still at the top of his game. I, it, my mind continues to be blown by what he's able to do. So if there's a team I,
4: that I would rank second as far as my knowledge and insight, it would be the Lakers. Yeah. Number one, because I do the daily radio show in LA. Number two, because I've done a bunch of their games on ESPN uh, over the last year or so. Um, and to your point on LeBron, he just continues to amaze. I was watching him play Memphis on Sunday night and you know, he had been, he was okay through three quarters. And then in the fourth quarter, he just turned it on. He was incredible. I think he scored, I think it was 13, 14 points in the fourth quarter and just put away the Memphis Grizzlies in that game by himself. And that's where he's at. LeBron James. Jason is like Neo in the matrix over the last couple of years. Right? Like and last year, specifically we saw this more so than ever. He he knows how to stop bullets with his hands already, right? Like he's at that level where there's nothing you can throw at him that he hasn't seen. And we saw that in the bubble when I think the best coach in the NBA, now granted they didn't have the talent um, that the Lakers had, particularly with AD and LeBron, but the best coach in the NBA threw everything in the kitchen sink at him. And it never really fazed him. Okay. When Spo threw stuff at him and Spo obviously with intimate knowledge of LeBron having coached him. So to your point, I think if you were constructing a basketball player to be the greatest basketball player in the world, to be the guy to play against the aliens when they came down, right? Like the the thesis of Space Jam, right? And defeat the aliens. (laughs) Um, It would be LeBron James. He's the most gifted basketball player I've ever seen. Now it doesn't mean he's the most accomplished. It doesn't mean he has the best resume because as we were talking about earlier with all these other uh, things that we were discussing regarding quarterbacks, right? The parts around you matter sometimes. And, and he hasn't had always the greatest parts around him. Uh, And I know people are listening and like, Oh, are we doing that again where LeBron doesn't have enough help? No, I'm not saying that, but he, he also, um, didn't have enough help in comparison to some of the teams that he was facing, particularly those warrior teams. Right. Um, So I just think that he's at a stage right now where he knows his game so well, he knows everything that's going to be thrown at him so well, Um, so much so that he, (laughs) there's a great story. And he's done this numerous times that he will tell opposing players who are like young or, 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 new to the team, um, what, he'll hear a coach call out a set an opposing coach and the guy doesn't know where to stand. And he's right. told the guy, Hey, this is the play you're running. You should be standing here. Like the only other guy that I've ever seen do that in the, in my history of covering the NBA, which goes back to 2003 was Rashid Wallace, where he would do that wow. Now, Rash, because Rashid not a was, name I was
3: expecting there. <laughs>
4: one of the <laughs> Rashid, arguably the smartest player. I've ever seen play basketball. Uh, I know people have a lot of different feelings about him, but his intelligence, there's no way um, you will find more than one or two guys in the history of the sport, I think, um, that are as smart or smarter than him. Um, I think in today's game, you have LeBron and you have Rondo. Um, mm. Shane Battier probably in the previous iteration as a role player is in that category, but there's not a lot of guys smarter than Rashid. Chris and LeBron. Paul, maybe. Chris Paul is a good one. That's a He's good one. in Who, the that discussion. Just... Steph Curry
3: yeah. got, a, got a wedge. No, I got a wedge Steph Curry. Yeah, in every Steph discussion.
4: is a good one. But I would say Chris, as far as the cerebral types, I think. Draymond Chris,
3: Green, perhaps.
4: Yeah. I mean, those guys are, but LeBron and, and Rashid are near the top, right? Um, so I just think it's all of that, right? It's the experience, the mind, right? This beautiful mind you're working with. The still athletic talent that he possesses, mm-hmm. right? All those things combined make him what he is today. and yes, he has a you know a worse record in the finals. Um, but I just think that if you were standing them next to each other and you were picking if you were a general manager and you could pick one or the other, I think you're picking LeBron. Oh based yeah. on all the tools that he has in
3: the toolbox. That's no question for me. Um, any is, last question, George, anybody is anyone challenging the Lakers uh, pushing them to seven? in the West or in the finals?
4: Okay, so I think the Clippers are still good enough to push them to seven. Like, I think we've kind of mm. forgotten about the Clippers. Mm. Uh, I, I actually think that the Serge Ibaka signing is a really good signing for them. A, he's an upgrade, I think, over Montrez Harrell, specifically for the style they want to play. He can stretch the floor. He's a better deterrent at the rim uh, defensively. And he's got familiarity with Kawhi. And I think that goes a long way for a team that didn't have a lot of chemistry and familiarity last year for one reason or another. Um, on the other side, I think that if, if the Brooklyn Nets can get their defense going, right? And I think that's a big question mark. And obviously health is a huge factor with them considering their top two stars in Durant and Kyrie. Uh, I think that the Nets could be a team that can push them six or seven in the finals outside of those two teams. I don't see anyone that can get them to a seventh game.
3: All right. George Sedano, Miami's finest. He, uh, is a big shot now out here in LA. He does ESPN, everything. I mean, don't, do you do, is there anything you don't do at ESPN?
4: (laughs) Um, I don't have a daily podcast, although I guess my radio show is podcasted. So I don't have that. Um, Yeah, I mean, I've pretty much done almost everything in every show at some point or another over the seven years I've been at ESPN, including uh, stuff off the air, like listening to Cowherd yap at me about his takes before he would start his show. I'm sure you have plenty of those days too. He he,
3: he does that. I think he has like a cycle of dudes. Uh, You, me, probably Gottlieb, Nick Wright. He just bounces stuff off. Uh, to see how it resonates, I think, before going to yeah, the
4: he, I still get texts from him. I'm yeah, like, yeah, you yeah. know, I mean, th- seriously, dude, you don't have a, someone else you can ask an NBA <laughs> question to? Come on.
3: All right, George. Hey, thanks for coming on. Uh, good luck in the new year. I'm sure I'll see you around, hopefully, at a Laker game soon.
4: Yeah, brother, same here. Stay safe, stay healthy. Send my best to Colin and all the, all the crew there uh, at Fox.
0: Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, That grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip.
2: Zumo Play.